0: This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Unspeakable Joy. I want to talk to you tonight of the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 on down but not destroyed. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 in verse 16, For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. When Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he is writing in one of those seasons in his life where he is at the bottom of a valley. When he writes 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he has been through the fire. In fact, in this chapter, he's going to say, it ain't just been any fire, it's been a bad fire. He says, I've been cast down, I've been perplexed, I've been troubled, and I've been through tribulation. Why is that important? Here's why. Because when Paul writes in chapter number 4, trying to encourage these people at Corinth, he is not preaching at them, He is preaching with them. You'll always find that people that have been where you are are far better at encouraging you than those that are looking from the bank of the river of your problem. It is one thing when somebody comes to you as you have cancer and says, you're going to be okay. It's another thing when somebody that is going through cancer or has gone through cancer says you're going to be okay. It's one thing when somebody tells you as you're going through divorce, it's going to be okay. It's another animal altogether when somebody has been through that valley and looks at you and says it's going to be okay. Why? Because you know that they're speaking from experience. When the Apostle Paul writes in chapter 4, verse number 16, and he says, For which cause we faint not, they're looking at a man that has every reason to give up, every reason to throw in the towel. And he says, I want you to know, I'm not telling you what you ought to be doing alone. I'm telling you what I am doing as well. He says, Now listen to me, beloved. He says, We've been through the valley we've been through the ringer, we've been through the fire, and we've been in the furnace. We've been through the trouble, and we've been through the trial. He says, we have been cast down, but we are not destroyed. We may be on the ground, but we're still living, and we're still breathing tonight. I have come with a word for somebody in the house that feels like it's all over. You feel like it's all done. You feel like there is no hope. I want to tell you that the devil is a liar and the father of lies you may be down but you are not destroyed you may think that it's over you are down you are not destroyed you may think that it's all done you are down but you are not destroyed you may feel like that family is done no you may be down but you're not destroyed you may feel like there's no hope you are down but you are not destroyed and the Apostle Paul from the pit of his problem. He looks up out of that pit and he says there are three words that I want you to latch on to. There are three words that you've got to remember because if you stay down long enough, you will end up destroyed. Remember this and never forget this. Just because you fell down doesn't mean you are a flop. Just because you had a mess up doesn't mean you are a mess up. And remember this, Every message came from a mess. Every miracle came out of an impossibility. And you may be at the beginning of your story and not the end of your story, but you are going to have to remember that you are down, but you are not destroyed. I'm going to give you three words that you need to remember tonight. Put them in the vault of your heart. And on those dark days and in those dark seasons when you don't feel like you've got any hope, Go to the vault of your soul. Turn the combination and say, oh God, show me again what I need to remember. That I may be down, but I am not discouraged. And I'm going to preach these so fast, you're going to be eating beef, tips, and rice before you can even blink your eyes. Here are the three words you need to remember. When you are down, but you are not discouraged. The first word you need to remember is in verse number 16. We draw out the word Persistence. When you are down and feel like it's almost over, you need to remember the word persistence. What did Paul say in verse number 16? He says, we faint not. He said, we don't give in. What does that word faint mean? It's not just a word which means to get tired. It goes deeper than a physical tired and weariness. It goes down to the root of a person. It goes down in their soul when there is something on the inside that wants them just to let go and be done with the whole thing. Do you remember what it was first like when you first got saved, when you had that first burden, when you first got married, when you first had that youngin', when you first got that business, when you first started really praying? I mean, when you first got involved in that situation, everything was wonderful about it. Man, you looked at that baby, that baby's vomiting every color under God's green earth, and you think it's the most wonderful thing that's ever been in existence. You first get married, and you're walking out of the church, and I mean, they burp in you face and you think, I ain't never smelt anything as wonderful as that right there. I mean, those things, when you first get started, it's easy not to give up, but time has a way of knocking the air right out of your soul. And the same person that you were so in love with back here, over here, the devil's got you thinking. There's no more hope for your marriage. There's no more hope for that child. And that same baby that you used to rock in your arms. And that same family that you would have walked through hell backwards for. The devil's got you just within an inch of your life of giving up on that thing. And Paul remembers what it was like at the church at Corinth when he first saw him birth into existence and birth into the family of God. He would have done anything for the church at Corinth. But I mean chapter number one all the way through chapter number 16 of the first book of the Corinthians. You find out those people are not pleasant to be around. Those people are not easy to be around. Those People are not a blessing to have to deal with. I mean, they had mess after mess after mess after mess. You and I would have understood if Paul would have thrown his hands up and said, I'm done with the Corinthians. I'm through with this ministry. I'm done preaching the gospel. I'm going back to my old life. I'm going back to my old way, what Brother Josh just said. But Paul said, no, 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 no. Even when it gets hard, there is a phrase that I say, we faint not. Even when I want to give up on you, Corinthians, I've got something on the inside. An internal fire. An internal burning. An internal raging that is stirring on the inside of me. That says, I can't give up. I can't throw in the towel. I can't go by the wayside. Honey, that's what the God of heaven is trying to spur in you right now for that marriage that you're about to throw to the wind. He says, you need to wake up and say, we faint not. And to that child you say, cannot be saved. And that's that child that cannot be born again and that child that'll never come back and the devil's got you within an inch of giving it up. God says, I want you to stand up and say, we faint not. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not easy. That's why everybody doesn't do it. It's not simple. That's why people go by the wayside. But where are the people of God that say I may be down and I may have fallen by the wayside, but I am not destroyed and I shall not give up. I shall not give in. I'm waking up today and I may not feel like it, but I shall not faint today. And I may not feel like praying, but I shall not faint today. I don't feel like going, but I shall not faint today. I don't feel like believing, but I shall not faint today. I don't think I can do it, but I shall not faint today. I don't think I can handle it, but I shall not faint today. You got to wake up today and not faint. You got to wake up tomorrow and not faint. You got to wake up the next day and not faint. You got to go the next day and not faint. He said, persistently, we faint not. Herbert Hoover, in the last several years of his life, was a devout believer. Dr. Norman Vincent Peale went to his house one day. Dr. Peale asked the president, he said, Mr. President, you've been through so much. How did you make it? President Hoover looked at Dr. Peale, and this is what he said. He said, With the help of God, I kept on going. Do you know what you need to do tonight? You need to say, I may not have family, but I got God so I can keep Somebody give me another microphone. Somebody give me something that I can depend on right here. You say, I may not have health tonight but you've got God. Therefore stand up and say, we faint not. And tomorrow when you feel like throwing in the towel. I like that one right there anyways. And you say, I am ready to be done. You say, no, no, no. We faint not. And the next day when the devil says and God ain't listening to your prayer. You say, we faint not. And the next day when you feel like nobody cares. You say, no. We faint not. And the next day when it feels like nobody's with you you say no we faint not and the next day when nobody's on the other side you say no we faint not persistence you're down but you're not destroyed persistence we faint this one sounds better anyways austin we faint not number two the word is not just persistence But the second word you need to remember is the word promise. Watch what it says in verse 17. For our light affliction is but for a moment. Paul, how's it going for you? He tells us in the middle of this book in chapter number 11. He says, well, I've been shipwrecked. Three times. I've been in the midst of the sea a day and a night. He said, I'm in fastings often. You know what that means? That doesn't mean he was hung up with God. That means he didn't have anything to eat. And he said, if I ain't got nothing to eat, I may as well fast. He said, I've been whipped with 40 stripes. I've been beaten often. I have been thrown into the den I have been stoned by my beloved. But this light affliction. His butt. Paul, I think one of them rocks hit you in the head too hard, homie. You've been stoned. You've been shipwrecked. You've been starving to death. You've had been abandoned, my friends. You have been thrown into the flame. You are all of that and that light affliction is but for a moment. Have you ever been in a problem and felt like it lasted forever? Some of you are married to that problem that is lasting forever. There is nothing worse than when somebody belittles the problem that is weighing you down. There is nothing worse than when you are going through the flames and the fire and they look at you and say, It'll be all right. Well, Tonto, why don't we trade places a good day? Today... We were eating lunch, me and Brother Jason, Brother Josh, and all these guys down here from Mississippi. And and I mean, these boys are just some of the sweet, kindest, sweetest guys you'd ever want to meet. Brother Josh is about as meek a man you'll ever meet in your life kind, just precious. But he's never been on an airplane. I have tried to get him. I'm flying out to Nashville in just a few weeks. He's just about two and a half hours from Nashville. I was going to drive down to his house, get on an airplane and fly with him somewhere and fly back just so he can say he's done it. He said, well, he said, there's a direct flight from Nashville to Tupelo. I said, what's the airline? He said, I don't know. He said, but the round trip tickets are only $50. (laughs) He ain't lying. I looked it up. $59 with tax fees and everything. And he said, they even give you a bag for free. (laughs) I fly a lot. Let me just put this in perspective. American Airlines charges you $50 for one checked bag. Not you, you youngins, your dog, your cat, and your bag. And this is what he said. He said... It can't be that bad. I looked at him. I said, Joshua, you ain't never been on an airplane. How do you know if it's good or bad? He said, I don't know. There is nothing worse than somebody ain't never been there Telling you, it ain't that bad. (laughs) Am I right about it? Now, me and him are going to laugh about that. But there's nothing worse than when you are going through the valley of the shadow of death with your mama or with your daddy, and somebody walks into the funeral line and shakes your hand and says, you'll be okay. You're going to make it. Down deep on the inside, you feel like they're looking at you saying, this is just a light affliction. This is not a big deal. This is not a serious issue. You look at the pains and the heartaches that are in your soul, and they say, it's going to be okay. Ladies and gentlemen that's not the promise that the apostle Paul made in verse number 17 he said this that the light affliction is but for a moment do you know what he was saying it will pass that's easy preaching that is impossible living I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I need an illustration that will put this in perspective. Do you know right now that the University of Hawaii did a study on how many grains of sand they believe are on planet Earth today? They said if you took every grain of sand... And this is the kind of stuff we are studying at our universities. No wonder America is going where it's going as fast as it is. But they took all of those grains of sand. They estimate that there are 7 quintillion, 500 quadrillion grains of sand on planet Earth. That's a bunch Imagine seven quintillion, 500 quadrillion grains of sand, and that represents the first second in heaven. One grain of sand is your life on this earth. That's why the Apostle Paul said, It is but for a moment. Because compared to what eternity will hold for you and me, whether it is 20 years or 30 years or 50 years of separation from that person, the Apostle Paul said, I make this promise to you, it is but for a moment. You may be in the valley of the shadow of death, but it is but for a moment. You may be in the sorrows of pain and affliction, but it is but for a moment. You may be dealing with things you never thought you'd deal with, but it is but for a moment. You may have to sacrifice things like you never thought, but it is but for a moment. You feel like you've been separated from somebody for a hundred thousand thousand years but it is but for a moment because the very second, the very moment, the very inkling, the very twinkling when you step out of this life and step onto the glorious shores of God's eternal city in that moment all of this right here will be the one grain of sand and you'll be stepping into seven quintillion, five hundred quadrillion, many more seconds in heaven and when those get done you will have just begun Your very first day. So I say, child of God, you can keep on going. You can keep on making it. You can keep on surviving. You can keep on waking up. You can keep on breathing. You can keep on living. You can keep on going. Because whatever you're going through is but for a moment. You're down, but you're not destroyed. Here's the third word and the last word. You've seen the word persistence. Paul said in verse 17, you've got a promise. But the third word at the end of verse number 17 and 18, it is the word perspective. Paul, how can you say that we are going through a light affliction? That's kind of cruel to me. Does that not sound cruel to anybody else? To look at somebody going through the dregs of pain and death and sorrow and say that's a light affliction? Seems kind of cruel to me. Paul wasn't trying to degrade your pain. He was saying when you compare it to the end result. What's the end result? He says in verse number 17, the end part. He said that it is working in you a far more weight of glory. The little thing right now is little compared to what it's bringing about. How many people know what I'm getting ready to talk about? You, you, you people under 30 have no idea what I'm talking about. And it really you people under 35. And I don't even think you people under 36 know what I'm talking about. But something happens when you hit 37. <laughs> I'm not going to make it till 40. Jesus is coming back. There's these things called carbs. (laughs) Carbs. How many of you have a love-hate relationship with carbs? There's something wonderful about carbs. You know that a carb... Is a minute, minuscule modicum. It is incapable of being seen with the eye. But how many of you know one carb in a piece of bunny bread <laughs> can go from minuscule to massive? Some of you eat a few carbs and you look like you have sucked down the Atlantic Ocean. You blowed up and swell up like free willy. I mean, I feel bad for them. I really do. How can something so small do something so big? Paul said, if what you're going through seems big, you can't even imagine What it's getting you in heaven. If the fire you're going through right now seems incomprehensible compared to what you're going to get in heaven, it's going to look like a minuscule thing. Brother Josh said he loves hunting, I love cake. He has wanted me, well, he's invited me to go hunt deer with him one time. And when I text him and tell him I'm ready to go, I get ghosted. Left on red. No response. And then magically his phone doesn't work. You know, those kind of things. Brother Josh, I have a terrible addiction to anything fluffy Sweet and fattening. You say, how do you stay skinny? I preach every night of my life. What do you think makes me skinny? Paul said in verse 18, you don't look at the things which are seen. You look at the unseen. And that's what makes you be able to handle it, but for a moment. I love cake. It makes me happy just thinking about it. We don't bake cakes. I don't bake cakes. My, my wife, I, jo- I joke about her not cooking. She, she will bake. She bakes a lot. You know... I don't know if you've ever processed, girls, how violent baking a cake is. You ever processed that? Tara? You got to take an egg that was ripped from a chicken. Take that egg. And there's only one way for that egg to be useful. What do you got to do to it? You got to crack it. Then once you crack it, there's only the inside of that egg that's useful. So you've got to separate it. Then parts of it get thrown away. You then take those eggs and put them in a bowl all by themselves. Then you go to the pantry and you get a carton or container, a flyer. You know what flyer is? For you Yankees that have come to church street flower, but it's flyer. <laughs> Do you know what flyer is? It ain't nothing but a plant. That got stuck between a rock and a hard place. And it got pulverized. You then measure out that flour in a bowl. Then you go and you then get this stuff called baking soda or powder. Have you ever touched that stuff to your tongue? It's worse than licking asphalt. It is the nastiest stuff you've ever tasted in your life. When did I taste asphalt? I'm in evangelism, man. Times are hard. Things are bad. You eat what you eat. You know, there's not one piece of a cake during the baking process that's pleasant. Not one. Because once you take all of that, you've got to Beat it. You've got to mix it. It's got to lose its shape. It's got to become something it was never meant to become. And if that's not bad enough, you then take it and put it in the fire. Now, I, I know that I've got a wild imagination, but I want you to imagine... If the pieces of that cake during the baking process had a voice. Probably would say something like, why am I having to go through this? Why do I feel like I'm constantly being beat around? Why is it getting so hot everywhere that I go? Why is it that I couldn't just be what I thought I was meant to be? How come I've been separated from everything that I thought I was meant to be around? And that baker, if you like most bakers, you get so frustrated at times because it doesn't taste just right in the batter. It doesn't look just right in the pan. What makes you keep going? Is it what you see? Or is it what is already unseen? What you hope it turns out to be is what makes you crack another egg. What you pray it tastes like makes you go another step. What you believe you've heard will come if you keep on is what makes you crank up the fire a little bit more. You see, that's what God is trying to work in you. There is not one problem you'll ever go through that is pleasant. If it's pleasant, it's not a problem. It's a figment of your imagination. Because problems are never pleasant. Problems are never fun. Separation is never a blessing. Heartbreak is never an issue. Why is it that you don't faint? Why is it that you don't give up? Because there is something on the other side of the process that the sweet Holy Ghost is putting on the inside of you that says give it another day and keep it on going because what's waiting on the other side is worth the wait just keep on going one more time because what's waiting on the other side of the process it's just a light affliction I know it's heavy right now but compared to what's coming out on the other side of the baking process you don't have an idea what waits on the other side you and I cannot fathom with our eyes we cannot hear with our ears we can't comprehend with our hearts what God is doing but now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think I've waited ten years to say what I'm getting ready to say Jason ten years when we came to the church we had our children God blessed us with our little children and you got to see them grow up and come and grow and become. It's just a blessing. By the time I got to the end, my kids were growing. Y'all remember when when we first came, we didn't have nothing. The church didn't have nothing. God always met the need time by time. But by the end, God had blessed the church and the church was good to us. I just wanted to have a little baby around to spoil that's all I wanted. I wanted a little baby. But I didn't want it at my house. I wanted one that we could keep every now and again, spoil the fire out of it, shove cotton candy in its mouth, put an IV of Coca-Cola in its, eye, in its arm, and send it home. For seven years, my baby sister went through problem. Situation, issue, shots, treatments. Her and Hunter went to the doctor after doctor, procedure after procedure. And for seven years, day by day, something inside says, Why don't you stop? But what she sees on the other side of the finish line says we faint not. And then another rejection comes. And something says stop. But something inside of her says we faint not. And something inside after another shot says it's not worth it. But something inside of it says we faint not. Year after year of rejection and failure and tears and sorrow and heartache. In the morning at 8.30, every Tuesday and Thursday. Now I want y'all to see how much her little boy now has power over my life. I am traveling this nation in full-time evangelistic work. My wife keeps this little baby every Tuesday and Thursday. Do you think any work gets done at Tyler Golden Evangelistic Ministries on Tuesday or Thursday? Bring him here, Hunter. I've waited ten years. Ten years. Ten years. Okay, big boy. Now, every Sunday morning and Sunday night, it's okay, baby. Go to your mama. Go to your mama. I don't want you. I brought him all this way to say this. Do you know what he is? You're just like your mama, son. It's okay. Just It's going to be okay. Caitlin Lee, do you know what that is, youngin? That's the end result of we faint not. Now for you it may not be a child. For you it may be a marriage that's just about to crumble. And what you go through today is just a little bit. If you'll just faint not. And tonight The Holy Ghost has come all this way just to tell somebody you're down, but you're not destroyed.